Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 326. Today, I want to share with you some things that God has been doing in my own life. It's extremely personal, so I hope you will bear with me because it relates to all of us. God has been drawing me to himself for the last decade in ways that I cannot even describe to you. In many instances, it's been very unpleasant because God has shown me my own sinfulness. God has shown me my own stubborn will. And in many instances, not just a few, but in many instances, God has had to reduce me to zero so that he could get my attention so that I would trust in him and lean not to my own understanding. But I believe that God, by his grace, is bringing me the point of usefulness. And I want to share with you some of the truths that God has been putting upon my life, and I hope that it'll be a blessing to you and an encouragement to you that no matter what where you are in life, God can take you and use you. He's not finished with you. And for those of you who are listening or who are well advanced in years, I can assure you that God has given to most people down through the years their greatest years in their latter years. And that's biblically true, but it's also true in the generations that have come before us. When I was 60 years old, I began to study about those whom God had used down through the centuries in the last 2,000 years in areas of art and medicine and science and engineering and mathematics, in education, in spiritual things, in the church, in ecclesiology, in every arena that I could study about. And I found out that those who were past their 60s, yea, those who were past their 70s, had made the greatest contributions to our culture and our society as we know it today, and some of the greatest discoveries were made by those men and women who were older and in the latter portion of their lives. Years ago, Tim LaHaye, that most of you know from the Left Behind series, let me assure you, his life was much more than the Left Behind series. It was what most people recognized him for then and now, but Tim was a great man of God, and he was a great churchman. He was used by God in many places in San Diego, California, downtown near the church that I pastored at Scott Memorial and then Scott Memorial East that is now known by their pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah, and is known as Shadow Mountain Community Church. That was Scott Memorial East to begin with, and that was a work of Tim LaHaye. And God sent many wonderful leaders, godly leaders in to help him. But Tim LaHaye and I were riding up the road. Karen and Bev were in the back seat. We were going from Knoxville, the church I pastored there, up to Pigeon Forge to a theater that we were involved in. And Tim was telling me all about what he was going to be doing. At that time, I think he was 92. I said to his wife, I said, Bev, are you listening to what Tim is saying to me? If he accomplishes this and these things that he set out to do, he'll be at least 102. And she said, Pastor, just let him alone. This is what keeps him going. And so I turned to him and I said, 
said, Brother, how old were you when you wrote your first Left Behind book? And he said, the best I can remember, I was 76 years old. Now think about that, folks. That's when most people, and even most pastors, are looking forward to retirement. Tim LaHaye wasn't looking forward to retirement. He was looking forward to the rewards in heaven that God was going to give to him as he stayed faithful all the way to the end. Now let me just say a word uh, parenthetically about retirement. Retirement is not a New Testament. It's not a biblical concept. That's a Western unionized concept. And many people live all their life to retire. I don't know what that means in ministry unless it means that you're going to be able to do something uh, and you're not going to have to have as much money to do that to live, that you're going to do something that perhaps you couldn't do some other time in your life. But if it means just uh, quitting, then I assure you, you're setting yourself up for an early death and the quality of life you have is not going to be very good because God made us on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And the purpose is to honor him all the days of our lives. And for some of you men who are looking for retirement, that can be your greatest years of ministry and youthfulness. Yes, you go travel. Yes, you go play your golf. Yes, you do whatever you need to do. But you watch about slowing down because uh, that can be very dangerous to a man of God who is still in the prime of his life, still has strength, still has vigor, because that's a good way to lose that vigor and to lose the strength that God's given you. Now back on target. I believe that God has worked in my life so much that in the years that are ahead, if I will stay clean before God, holy, and walk with Him, if I will stay close to Him, seek His face, just like any one of you that are listening, God will use the accumulative wisdom that He's given you and that He's given me over the years to help mold the next generation and the generation in which we're living. And so I want to encourage you today with this because God is doing a fresh work in my life. Let me just say two or three things to you and then I'll let you go for today and we'll pick up tomorrow. First of all, I have never sensed more at a time in my life. I have never sensed more the awareness of God's presence and his hand upon me, that God is leading me, that I am right where I need to be, because it seems like that he will not let me go. I have often tried to veer off and God will not let me go. I've often tried to detour, but God will not let me go. He always brings me back to center. I believe that is a loving heavenly father, not a grandfather who will let us go astray and do things that we shouldn't be doing perhaps that are not best for us. But a father is responsible for the child and God is responsible for us and the work that he has begun in us, he will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ when we stand before him. God will discipline us. He will hurt us back in. He will direct us sometimes with a bit and a bridle. Sometimes if we're looking at him and keep our eyes on him, he will guide us with his very eye. That's what the book of Psalms in Psalm 32 says is the blessedness of a man who is walking with God. And so I sense God's hand upon my life and may that always be the case. But that's especially in the aspect of teaching and preaching the word of God. I want to say to you that the church of Jesus is needed now more than ever in our nation and in our culture. The culture is conforming the church to it instead of the church conforming the culture to the will and the way of God.
God. We have given in. We, in many cases, have given up. The Church of Jesus, no matter what the numbers, it seems, in the cities, are not making an impact on government. They're not making an impact on the school systems. They're not making a, an impact on the curriculum in the school systems. They're not making an impact because they've given up and said, well, that's just secular America and we are religious America. We are to live to the glory of God, and that involves every moment of our waking lives. We are to influence as the church of Jesus, not only those who are within the family, but we are to influence the community, the society, the culture. We are salt that preserves. Sometimes salt irritates, especially if it's an open wound. But it is necessary for healing and preservation. We are to be light. We are in a dark and perverted nation right now. And God has become government. And God has become education. God has become jobs and success and consumerism. But the God of the Bible longs for his people to be salt and light, light in a dark and perverted generation. And in order for that to happen, we're going to have to change our emphasis. You see, the Church of Jesus Christ has now become a gathering place and event center for getting people in for evangelism. That is the opposite of what the church gathered together for in the New Testament. The primary reason that people gathered together in the New Testament was because not that they came there to get saved, they came there to get fed so that they could go back out into the agora, into the agora, into the marketplace, into their homes and teach their children, their grandchildren, their families, and then go out into the business world and make a difference. Listen, God has called the church to be the church in our generation. And that means we've got to get back to feeding the people of God and growing up the people of God so that we have strength and so that we have courage in this dark and perverted generation in which we're living. And so what I can tell you from traveling from California and pastoring in California, in Texas and Oklahoma, and on the East Coast and in the Southeast Bible Belt, that the church is a mile wide and an inch deep, and it doesn't seem to affect pastors, and it doesn't seem to affect church members in the sense of seeing anything wrong with that. The emphasis on get saved, get saved, get saved. Well, let me tell you, getting saved is not the end. Getting saved is the beginning. And what I believe that God has called me to do is to teach and to preach the Word of God to the church of Jesus so that we can get strong and so that then we can be the salt and light that God wants us to be to our families, to our people, and to the culture in which God has called us. Now, that includes evangelism, but the primary purpose of the church is not the Great Commission. The primary purpose of the church is to give glory to God in every aspect of our lives of which evangelism is only one part. The church is not all about the Great Commission. The church is all about our great God. And the primary commandment in the Bible is to love God with the totality of our being. And that's what we need to do to, to our people is to teach them to love God. If we teach them to love God, they will then follow the commandment of Jesus to love others. If you don't love other people and, and you really don't love them and you just think that loving other people is an evangelism strategy to get them to Jesus, then the moment they come to Jesus, you'll drop them and go on to someone else. And this 
this has been the problem. It's like we have a lot of people coming in the front door and just as many or more going out the back disillusioned. We've got to get people in the Word of God, and when we get people in the Word of God, lives will be changed for eternity. Their heart will be changed because they will be walking with God. So the primary purpose of the church is to love God, the same primary purpose that we're put on earth, to love God, to know Him, and then to love others who are made in the image of God, and to treat them with the love of God, just like we want to be treated. And then evangelism really becomes easy, because here's what Jesus said, not by our signs and our methods that we use to tell everybody that we're children of God. You know what the world's wanting to see? A church that's different. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. This is what he said in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, last few verses. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, that you love one another in the same way I have loved you. And by, if you have this love for one another, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. You see, this is the way that people see the love of God in us, is when we truly love God and love one another as we ought and treat one another in the church of Jesus as we ought, then the Bible says that evangelism becomes easily because then people will say, you know, they're different. As a matter of fact, the people of the early New Testament were not called Christians. That happened years later at Antioch. No, they were known as people of the way. Why? Because they lived a certain way. They loved a certain way. They taught a certain way. They were different than the rest of culture. The obvious thing about uh, the church of Jesus as I travel around the country and preach the word of God in small churches, large churches, rural churches, city churches, what I'm finding out is there's no difference in the way people think in the churches, out of the church. Well, that's not being the church. You see, the same fears and anxieties that our nation has by staying on Facebook and social media and staying in front of the tube and YouTube and the TV all the time is putting the same fear in us that is going into the rest of the world. No, our hearts need to be centered on the Word of God. And the church of God has to be different than the rest of the world or it is not affecting the culture around it. We do not need to be fearful and live like everybody else. We don't need to think like everybody else. We need to be in every way different. And I'm not talking about weird different. I'm talking about good different in the biblical sense. We need to be calm when everyone else is losing their head. When everyone else is in confusion, we need to have clarity. When everyone else is turning and running, we need to have courage and stand. This is what the people of God down through the ages have always done, and it's cost them. It's cost them their fortunes. It's cost them their lives. It's cost them everything they are. Why? Because the clarion call to take up the cross is what we need to hear today, not a clarion call to come and everything will be better and life's going to be good and you're going to get anything you ask for and nothing bad's going to happen to you and God wants you healthy all the time. God wants you wealthy all the time. No, God wants us to walk with Him and if we walk with Him, we're going to have the same results that He had and that is we're going to end up dying to this world but living unto God. But the results again will be the same in the sense that if they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute us. But if they kept His words, they'll keep ours. That's what Jesus Himself told the disciples. And so I want to encourage you to stand firm on the Word of God and encourage your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Love your pastor. Encourage him to preach the Word. The primary time in the services on Sunday morning 
morning and Sunday night in the church of Jesus. Doesn't need to be around fellowship, doesn't need to be around singing, doesn't need to be around drama, doesn't need to be around all of the things that we now take up our hour or two hours on of worship time. The primary time needs to be given to the Word of God. And if you have an hour service and you've got a 15 or 20 minute message, you're out of kilter and out of balance. I don't care what church you are. I don't care how many you have coming. It's just not biblical. The priority in the Bible is the Word of God. And that's why if you have an hour service and that's all you're going to have, then you need about 40 minutes of preaching. What else would you use that time for? What else is more important than the Word of God? Well, somebody has testimony. Well, their testimony is not as important as God's testimony. Well, somebody's got a song to sing. Well, that song they've got to sing is not more important than the Psalms. What I'm telling you is we need to center our lives around the Word of God. And this is what God is bringing me back to over and over again. And I want to share this truth with you because it's very important. You and I need to spend our lives getting in the book of God, letting the book of God get into us, letting it transform us because it is the final authority to which we appeal in every area of life, in how we live, how we breathe, how we treat our wife, our husband, how we treat our children, how we educate our children, how we do business. It should affect everything around us. And when people see us and that we are different, sooner or later, they're going to ask us, what is the difference? And we need to tell them, well, you know, I'm just a good old boy. I've just learned. No, we need to say, no, the word of God has changed my life. And it's the foundation of my life. And if we do that, God will bless us in every way, every time as we walk on the way. See you tomorrow. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.